Welcome to another episode of In the Nick of Time live on the Spotify for Podcasters app. In connection with reprogramming your thinking videos, which you can find when you follow me on Instagram at Rodney Hops. I am your host, Nikki. Time is a gift we should not waste, so let's get right into it. First of all, guys, I'm not a licensed counselor. I do not have a PhD. I am not a preacher. So you probably say, Nikki, why should anyone listen to what you have to say? Well, I simply obey God's word. And on this podcast, I get to stroke my ego by edifying God only. So if you are listening, that means you and I can grow up together. And unlike the majority, you love honesty. Now, the theme here on this podcast is church is not the answer. And I want you to know that I am not saying do not attend any worship service. I am not saying that at all. Find you a church home, be baptized, hear the word, believe the word, be baptized, join and find you a church home. So I'm not telling you to not go to worship service. But I am saying this when I say church is not the answer. It's for us to sit back and clearly understand why we do go to a worship service, why we, why we believe what we believe, why do we believe in an entity or deity that we cannot see. So when you go to a worship service, why do you go? Know why you're going. Know that you're going to meet God. That's why I say church is not the answer because a lot of us believe that when we attend worship service, we put money in church like we're supposed to, that our lives should be perfect and stress-free. But that is not the case. I'm sorry to inform you of that. Now, I know you probably say, hey, here's another holy roller trying to convert us, trying to make us believe in Jesus Christ. Well, let me start out by saying this. I don't care if you're converted to Christianity after listening to this podcast, but I do care that you believe in Christ because our souls is at stake, not just yours. So when I'm doing this podcast, I'm not just talking to you. I'm not just telling you what you should be doing. This helps me as well. So Guys, we look at the state of this world, we look at everything that's going on, and it just looks bleak. And it looks like there's no hope. And it looks as if uh, everything is going wrong. And you're saying to yourself, where is God? Why is this happening? Why is he allowing this to happen? Why are so many people struggling? Why are so many people so angry? Why are so many people hurting? Well, today in this episode, I want to talk about three different things as opposed to, uh, I mean, when it comes to struggling, when it comes to our stressors and 
what uh the things that we go through in life, our circumstances. First, I want to say, I want to start off by asking this question. Uh, and this this is mostly what I've been asking myself when I when I was studying and I was looking at scripture and I was, you know, thinking about what I was going to talk about. Now, do I, I'm going to say me, I'm just, I'm, because I want people to understand that these things help me, you know, and when I started this podcast, I wanted people to come closer to, to you know, the knowledge of God get closer, want a, a closer relationship with God because we look at everything and like I said, it looks hopeless. So you're like, what are we going to do? You know, everything is going wrong. So I I looked at uh, Job, the story of Job, and I looked at chapter one and I looked, looked at it over and over again. And two things stood out. Um, first of all, when 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 the sons of God came to, you know, check in with God, so to speak, it said that Satan came along as well and he asked Satan where have you been Satan answered him and at the beginning of chapter one it describes who Job was uh, and what type of man he was and it was saying that he shunned evil he was a God-fearing man and then The Lord stamped that. He told Satan, he asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? And he said, he fears God and he shuns evil. Now, when you look at the story of Job and you hear he was a God-fearing man, he shunned evil. It's like, so why punish him? In the way, because if anybody has read the story of Job, you're like, when you describe the type of man Job was, why would you punish him? Why why does he have to suffer the way that he suffered? Was it something that he did? What was it? And then you look at what the accuser, which is the enemy, you look at the points and the questions that he brought up. And I don't want to paraphrase, so I'm just going to I'm gonna go to it. And I want to really look at this because these are the points that I took from Joe, the, the, the first chapter. And these are legitimate questions that we need to ask ourselves because sometimes we do things subconsciously. We don't know that we're doing them, okay? The first point that we really need to look at and that I looked at 
So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? And I asked myself, because a lot of times when you talk to people and, and, and they're Christians and they believe in God, you may say, how are you doing? And some of them may say, blessed and highly favored. And it said, and I, I just want to bring up this point. When you hear that question that the, that the accuser brought to God, he said, does Job fear God for nothing? And the first point I want to talk about is do I only feel blessed when everything is going well? And we can bring that question, we can pose that question to anybody. We can say all of us should ask ourselves that question. Do we only feel blessed when everything is going well for us? Because when you when you get the new car, when you get the new home, when you're able to go on trips, when you're able to buy things at, at, at every turn, you feel blessed. You feel like everything is falling into place. Everything is going your way. And you feel like, you know, God is there with you and God is on your side and he's truly blessing you. But then, when the trial comes, when, 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 when certain situations happen, how do you feel? What's your attitude? How do you take a trial and, and how do you turn lemons into lemonade? Do you have that attitude when a trial comes? Let's say you lose your job <clears throat> and you can't pay your car note anymore and you can't pay your mortgage anymore. That is, that's stressful. And I'm not gonna give you the, the, you know, cliche type speech. I'm not gonna give you that. I'm not gonna say, just do this or just do that. But what I am looking at and what I am thinking about is, are you still feeling blessed? Do you still trust God the same way you trusted him when it seems as as though everything was going your way? What is your attitude when some a certain change happens? What is your attitude when you encounter a difficult person? What is your attitude when <coughs> the job says you know, we're cutting, we're cutting back and uh, we can't use you anymore. What is your attitude? Do you have the same mentality that you had when everything seemed like it was falling into place? Do you still feel like God is with you? Do you feel, still feel like you're blessed and highly favored. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel that same uh, happiness and joy that you felt when you first bought your car? 
versus when you pay that first car note and you like, man, this is a lot. And you don't, do you feel good? Do you feel like everything is still going to be all right? Now, that's the first thing that stood out to me when Job was suffering. And it's like, you, you ask yourself, why? When it started out that Job was described as a God-fearing man who shunned evil, why would God take him through this? So you got to ask yourself, why not you? Why not give you this test and trial? Because you, you, you claim to trust God, so can you stand in the midst of a trial? Am I strong enough when a trial comes? Is my attitude still the same when a trial comes? When we see everything that's going on in the world, even if it's not affecting us directly, it affects us mentally because everything just looks so bleak. Everything just looks like there's no hope. And I don't want to tell you and give you this cliche answer and say, trust God and everything will be all right. But that's the answer. You know, we look at that and we and we listen to pe- people and we listen to preachers and we listen to certain motivational speakers and they say, trust God and it'll be all right. But that is the answer. You can say, oh, I don't want to hear that. It's not that simple, but it really is. But it really is. Now, the second point and the second thing that stood out to me is, do I, do we have a false sense of what it means to be in God's presence? Do I, do we have a false sense of what it means to be in God's presence? Because we seem to think that God is present only when good things are happening to us. We feel like he's so far away and he can't be reached when when everything is going wrong or when we face trials and tribulations. But that's when he's closer. That's when it's really time to enter his presence. When things are not going well. That's when he's closer. That's when he wants to get closer to you. Because I, I, here's another here's here's another thing breaking news that you and, and me anybody needs to understand when you decide to give your life over to God it does not mean that your life will be void of any problems it does not mean that you will not experience some trials and tribulations in life it does not mean you're not going to suffer and you're not going to understand why you're going to question like why am i going through this why me i do this i do that i'm good but 
even he even got Jesus told us those who think that they're doing so good basically like those who say Lord Lord I would tell them to depart from me because and, and then they're gonna ask questions like didn't I prophesy in your name but at the end of the day we do not and cannot do enough to be in a place where we say, I don't deserve this. I, I don't I shouldn't be going through this. Because what we all deserve really in actuality is death. But we think that we should not have any problems when we decide to give our life to Christ. But that's when the accuser is going to be at his strongest. And that's when he's going to be continuously building a case against you. In in, in Job, the, the Satan, Satan is acting as the, the prosecutor. And, and God is our defense attorney. Because he's accusing Job of only serving God and fearing God because everything is going right for him. And sometimes if we're honest, do we feel like we're in the presence of God even when things are not going our way? Because the protection from problems and situations and trials and tribulations does not mean that you're fully in the presence of God. Because it's the little things that we do, like complaining, complaining about our job every day, gossiping, uh, easily frustrated, uh, easy to get angry. You know, we, it's, it's, we, love, we, we hold grudges. Uh, we only love those who love us. Uh, it's hard to love those who don't love us. It's hard to love our enemy. Uh, it's hard for us to uh, have a pure heart. Uh, it's we don't think about those things. It's 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 the things that we don't think about. You know, we only think about why well, I don't do this, why well, I don't do that. And I go to church every uh, Sunday or Saturday, whenever you worship. Uh, I I tithe every 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 worship service. I do everything I'm supposed to do. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you you go to work. You deal with people, and you deal with those people in such a way where. You may be mean-spirited. You may talk about people. Uh, You complain about the job. Uh, Because I I, I know I do it. So the presence of God and, and, and knowing that you are truly in his presence is knowing that when things get tough, I have an ally that that's going to see me through. And like I said, we, we're looking for some magnanimous, miraculous sign 
that God is real. Well, I can tell you how real he is because just this past last this past Sunday, we had a storm that lasted all of maybe five to ten minutes, and it did so much damage. No man could do that. No man did that. So when we're searching or we we're wanting and we're wanting to be in his presence, we got to make sure that we don't have a false sense of being in his presence. And the third point and the third question that I wanted to pose that, that stood out from reading Job is, do I know when I'm being accused versus convicted? Do we, I know when I'm being accused or convicted? <clears throat> and there is a difference. Job was being accused. He wasn't being convicted. How do you I know? How do you know that, Nikki? Because God had already stamped Job as not being convicted because he said, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So he was not being convicted. He was not being convicted. He was being accused. Now, do we, do I know when I'm being accused versus when I'm being convicted? Do I know? And I think that's where we get it twisted a lot of times when we're going through trials and tribulations. Because the enemy is is going to come at you harder when you are trying to live an upright life. And you're not going to always get the answer as to why am I going through this? Why am I suffering? Why am I uh why am I losing my job? Why am I losing my home? Why am I losing my car? Why is my child in jail? Why is my child being why was my child shot and killed? Why am uh why am I sick? Why am I sick with cancer? Why am I uh why was I in this car accident? Why was my leg broken to pieces? Am I being accused or am I being convicted? And we need to know the difference. We need to understand the difference. And we need to know and make sure that we have a, that we're plugged in all the time and we're staying connected. Like we are, like we're connected to our phones. Like we're, like we make sure we're connected to internet service at all times because when we're not connected and when we don't have our phones we feel so lost well that's the way we need to feel when it comes to God are we plugged in are we connected so I would know am, am I being accused 
or am I being convicted? <clears throat> so the first thing we look at when we look at Job is like, okay, he's a God-fearing man, upright man. Why is he being punished? We don't know. But we do know that he is being accused because he's not being convicted because God stamped, put his stamp of approval on Job's character. So we have to understand and make sure that God can put a stamp on our character and make sure that God knows, hey, Nikki is a God-fearing woman. Nikki is an upright woman. Not to say that Job didn't make any mistakes. Not to say that he was perfect. Not to say that he didn't have his days. Not to say that he didn't, you know, complain. But he did what he was supposed to do. But the accuser is always lurking. So guys, we have to think about that. Think about those three points. Am I only feeling blessed when everything's going my way? Do I have a false sense of God's presence? And do I know when I'm being accused versus convicted? Okay, guys, welcome to this segment of my podcast where I say, wake up, world. And today I want to talk about, are we disarming those on the front line fighting the good fight? And let me tell you why I asked that. Because... Um, I know uh, it went viral. It was uh, talked about on social media everywhere, you know, all this week, where the young man <clears throat> was in a restaurant. Excuse me. And um, he... When you see the video, you don't, when you watch the video, uh, these two young guys, the hood woman and her son who was arrested, if you don't know what I'm talking about, for killing this 32-year-old man. Um, And what happened was, we don't, I mean, you don't get the full story. You see in the video where he is telling her not to say anything else to him. And if she did, he was going to punch her. And you couldn't really hear or understand what she said. or And you don't know what was said that led to him being so angry. And he was, but he was saying, get your food and don't say anything else to me. And he was like, if you say something else, I'm going to punch you. On my grandma, I'm going to punch you. And he punched her. And then he kept saying, if you say one more thing, I'm going to punch you on my grandma." And he kept punching her. Now, the first thing that 
caught my eye, caught my attention, was it was being video when as soon as as soon as we see something escalate is being video. And not to say not to say that it wasn't a good idea because at the end of the day it helped. But the other thing that got me was the other black man that stood there. And then when he started to punch her, they ran out. They ran out. Now, if anybody's been following this story, what happened was when the police arrived on the scene, they arrested her. Now, but let me before I go that far, let me get into, okay, while they were arguing and when the situation escalated, and I guess she knew he was getting real amped up, they say, now this is allegedly, could be true. I didn't really just dig and delve too deep into it, but they say she texted her son. And I guess gave him instructions to get her gun out of the glove compartment in the car. He was sitting in the car while she went in the restaurant to get the food. He come, he got out of the car. And I guess when he walked up to the restaurant's door, now he's 14 years old. And he see his mother being beaten. And I know everybody says, hey, if that was me, I got a gun, I'm going to do the same thing. So he comes into the restaurant, he shoots and kills the guy beating up his mother. Okay? Now, when you when you hear all of that, if you watch the video, you'll say, hey, he did what anybody would have did. Okay? But let me... Because I don't like to give my opinion. But the reason why I posed this question that I posed is, are we disarming those on the front line fighting the good fight? Because if you remember what, I can't even remember the exact date, but the white woman shot the black woman through her door and she killed that woman. Okay? And I'm hearing that they didn't have enough evidence to convict the white woman. And the thing that that puzzles me is you have you have these different media outlets, black, whatever, social media, whether it be social media or YouTube, whatever, and they're posting things and they're putting out things viral videos or information that on the one hand it's like look at racism it's on a, it's at an all-time high and it's so sad that white people get to do us like this but then but then not even uh weeks later not even weeks later because let, let, let me let me see when the story took place Of the of the white woman killing the black woman. Let 
Okay. Now, this was in Florida. And when did it happen? Okay. Now, it was June 9th when she got charged with manslaughter. Now, the actual day that it happened, so it had to be at the first part of June, and then you come mid part of June, which was like the the 18th, you see this black guy beating this black woman up, and then the young man shoots him and kills him. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, you got to be honest, which we have to be honest and say, it's hard to fight when you have so many contradictions. Because no one is, no one is saying that racism does not exist. No one is saying that. No one's denying that white people really feel like they're privileged and they really feel like they are superior to us. And I see it. I'm I'm not oblivious to those things. But what I am frustrated with is the divisiveness that's created amongst our own community. Where we are not connected and we are not united. And that's why it's so easy to come up against us. And that's why it looks as if, hey, we're losing at every turn. Because you see this young man, and he, and when you see him, he seems so angry. What, because you ask yourself, what could she have been saying to him that made him so angry that he wanted to beat her up like that? And then I want you to allow me to play devil's advocate for a moment. And then I'll get into the question that I posed. Now, here's the other problem that I saw with that situation. Because I said earlier, anybody that sees their mother being beat like that and they have access to a gun probably would have did the same thing. Now, he's 14 years old. Why would you, because she said her son was an honest student, he was a well-mannered child, why would you then put your child in a position, now your child has a body on his hand. Now your child has a body on his hand because in the climate that we're in today, I feel as though she could have de-escalated the situation by 
when he said don't say anything else to me, she shouldn't have said any. She shouldn't have said nothing else. She should have just said okay, and she should have dropped whatever they were talking about, whatever the misunderstanding was about. Let it go. Because now, because at the end of the day, even though the charges were dropped, they were, uh, they were ready to charge you and your son with murder. And that young man lost his life. Because we can go round and round about he shouldn't have put his hands on and he shouldn't have. Understand that I'm not saying he should have put his hands on her. I'm not saying he was right. But I am saying everything that transpired could have been could have been prevented. Because we have people out on the front line saying that black lives matter. And then, because you were punched a couple of times, you took his life. Your son took his life. Now, you probably saying, Nikki, you crazy. Anybody that saw that would have did. <clears throat> you probably are right. You are probably right. But also, sometimes, we have to recognize that that's what scares us. Because now we got to look at the other side. Him being so irate and so angry that he was willing to hit that woman and beat her up. So... When, the, when, 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 when we talk about being stereotyped and being said to be angry at all times when it comes to us as black people, why do we allow ourselves to be put in positions where people can video us and every time they're videoing us, we're getting violent, we're being belligerent, we're being angry, we're always, the answer to everything is we're about to fight. You know, it's never no, hey, okay, I'm ending this conversation. I'm ending this disagreement. We agree to disagree or we don't even have to talk about it anymore. Handling it like mature adults. But instead, when you get us on video, you see this young man, he's, he's, his fist a clinch. He steps back like he's, like he's ready to get off, get off the best punch of his life on a woman. Because when he steps back, it's like, if you say one more thing, oh my grandma, I'm gonna punch you. And when he reared back, he stepped, he took a step back so he could get enough force 
Because he was telling her, I'm going to knock you out. And I guess when he hit her the first time and he didn't knock her out, he went, he went back for more. He went back for more. He went back for more. And I feel like, what do you say to all that? And now, now, like I said, I don't, that's just my thoughts on it. But I don't really like to hold my opinion at a high standard. So you say, yeah, Nikki, you got a point. The, because I posed the question. Are we disarming those on the front line fighting the good fight? Now, let's look at numbers 20 and 10. So we can get an understanding of why I'm posing that question. And how it relates to that situation. Numbers 20 and 10 said, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand, his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out. Sounds good, right? Okay. Moses, as we know, the story goes, he didn't make it into the promised land with those Israelites that he brought out of Egypt. Now, why? Because he disobeyed God. God gave him a direct order to take his rod and not, he didn't say strike the rock. He said tap the rock and water would come out. But Moses was so angry and frustrated with the people that he struck the rock. Now, what does this have to do with disarming people on the front line? Now, Moses on the front line, he's leading you. He's leading you to the promised land. But all you're doing is complaining about what's not going your way. And all you're doing is saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt. And Moses is speaking to God on your behalf. This man is praying for you so that God will not destroy you. And all you can do is say, why you bring us out of of Egypt? Why, Why you bring us into this wilderness? You got us out here suffering We don't even have no water to drink. So can you imagine Moses like, these people are ungrateful. Why am I still trying to get you to the promised land and all you can do is complain, 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 complain. And you dis armed Moses because you frustrated him to the point of disobedience. Because do you see, think about Martin Luther King. Was he just weary because 
his 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 cause was not being uh <clears throat> because he wasn't successful in his fight no he was weary because I'm fighting these people who are against giving us equal rights and equal opportunity and then I'm fighting against people that still complaining because I'm not fighting and doing things the way they want me to do it Do you know how tiresome that is when somebody's always praying for you and you just continue to go off and do your own thing? Think about Black Lives Matter, a movement. It started to gain some some traction. And people were following it and people were like, yeah, Black Lives do matter. Then you come back and your own people like, they still, they get, they, they using all the money for this and that. Now, we don't know if it was true, alleged, whatever. But how can you see yourself winning a fight when you're disarming the people that have made headwaves and moves to put you in a position to somewhat get where you want to get to. Like the story of Moses. I bring you out of Egypt. We, The Red Sea is parted. The Egyptians, all those Egyptians that were chasing us were killed. But yet and still, as we're going through, and you're experiencing a little uncomfortableness, you start to complain. And we got to be honest, we all do it. So are you disarming not only those on the front line fighting a good fight, but you're disarming yourself. Because the help that you can receive from God can't come because you're not open to receiving the type of help that God wants to give you. Now let me give you another example. In Matthew 26 and 50 through 54. Let me give you another example of of someone on the front line and you're trying to disarm him. Now, Jesus already knew what he was here for. He knew his purpose. So let's look at how one of his disciples tried to disarm him. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Now, Jesus knew his purpose, but because 
his disciples didn't truly understand his purpose. They're ready to fight in a way that we're always ready to fight. Instead of understanding, sometimes be still. Sometimes be quiet. Complaining is only going to make it worse. And we don't believe that a lot of times. And I include myself in that. We think complaining is going to make a situation better or it's going to make uh, people change what they're doing. But they only get worse because you can't change them by complaining. And Jesus had to tell his servant that because you think by cutting off his ear and fighting, you're only trying, you're only interfering with what has to take place so that I can reconcile you. Because if, if, if you cut off his ear and you fight and you stop it at this point, that they take me and I be killed. It's just going to be done another way. But I have to do this because this is my purpose. So let's stop disarming the people that are out here that are truly your preacher. Stop disarming your preacher. You disarm your preacher when you you hear what he says from God's own word. And you don't take it and let it sink into your heart and then apply it to your life. Stop disarming those who are fighting the good fight on the front line for you. Stop making it complex. When somebody say, trust God, you're like, I don't want to hear that. Man, that ain't doing nothing. I pray every day. And I do what God say. But still, I'm suffering. But think about somebody who went to the cross for people who did not love him, who did not trust him, and he knew, but I got to die for these people so that they can be reconciled to the Father. Even though I know they don't understand and I know that their hearts are hardened towards the truth of God's word, I'm still here for this purpose. He prayed so hard that his sweat became like drops of blood. Do you know how, do you know how deep that anguish has to be for you to pray so hard that you're sweating drops of blood? You say, that's not, that's not possible. But it is. 
you're in so much anguish that you that your capillaries burst and it's just like drops of blood. You're so you're so disillusioned, like there's gotta be another way, cause you 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 would say to anybody, any human, if you're living if you're living, if you're a living being, your fle- the fleshly part of you is gonna kick in. Like, why do I have to do this? Look at these people. Listen to how they talk. Look at how they treat me. Look at how they treat each other. And then he's still making intercessions for us right now. Even though we still are hard-headed, don't want to listen, think we know, feel as though we know, nobody can tell us we don't know. You can't talk any sense into us. We want to know everything. We want to understand everything. Then we become angry, and we become so angry that we gotta fight somebody. We gotta take that anger out of somebody. And then somebody decides, you took your anger out of me, now I'm gonna retaliate. Because we don't wanna hear vengeance is mine. Cause it's like, when you gonna get him, Lord? He beat me up yesterday. He should be punished right now. He beat me up yesterday. He got away with it because nothing has happened to him. He shot me in my leg yesterday. He should be, something should be happening to him. Or her. Where are you at, Lord? He's a cloud by day, and he's a he's a ball of fire by night. He's watching over his home. He knows your every step. He knows your every move. He knows your every motivation. He knows everything about us. So questioning him only hurts you. So let's stop disarming our frontline soldiers and get up and do better ourselves. Because when we ask why, you need to be really understanding that that's wisdom hunting you. That's the why. Wisdom is hunting you. What are you talking about, Nikki? God is hunting you down. He wants you to return to him. And if you don't, and wisdom keeps hunting you, you're going to continue to wonder and look around and say, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I so angry that I want to hit 
at the world. That everything is about. I got to retaliate. Something has to be done. So that I can feel better. Not so that it will be better. But so that I can feel better. So guys, let's reprogram our thinking. Let's get back to love. Let's recover the life that the devil is trying to take from us each and every day. And most of all, remember this. God may not be there when you want, but he'll be there in the nick of time. Peace, guys. And I love you.